I was six years old and the tornado sirens were going off. My mom was rounding us up to head down to the basement and I was on a frantic search for my swimsuit. I'd been terrified of tornadoes since I had watched The Wizard of Oz all alone in the living room. So I was nearly in tears digging for my swimsuit. But I refused to go downstairs without it. If a tornado was gonna suck my house up into the sky, it was not gonna take my swimsuit with it. <laughs> this was the time in my life when I was certain that my call was to be a swim teacher at the YMCA. I loved to swim and I loved my swimsuit. And I knew that work was what adults did every day, all day. And the only, only logical thing for me was to wear my swimsuit all day, every day. There was no doubt about it. I held on to that dream for quite a while. And I ran through some others as I was growing up. And by the time I got to be a college-aged person, I had visions of myself running through the skyways in a red fancy suit, and uh, not a swimsuit, a business suit, and pumps carrying a briefcase and um, showing my my skills as an advertising executive. Somewhere along the line, my logic had shifted and directed me towards looking at my call as something that would give me status and money, of which I knew a swim teacher was not gonna get. I graduated with a degree in business communications, a huge debt, and no desire to wear a red business suit. I directed then my attention towards seminary, thinking a minister's robe might be better fit for my personality. While I pursued my degree there, I worked as a nanny, and I still do today. Because upon graduation, I realized that although studying to be a minister was great fun, full-time ministry wasn't for me. The robe was tossed aside with the red business suit and the swimsuit. And it dawned on me that I needed to go back to my six-year-old self and its mentality to discover my call in the world. I've listened to kid after kid declare their hopes for a future in the things they love to do dancing, studying bugs, designing Lego sets, even vacuuming, all based on what they loved to do, like I had loved swimming. So here I am today, I'm still a nanny. I don't get a fancy red suit or a long linen robe. In fact, what I do have are a bunch of $10 sweatshirts covered in stains and germs and goo. And I smile every day. I drive to work looking forward to the day, and at the end of the day I feel filled up and complete. I laugh and I play, and even when I get grumbly about things, which I do, and there's kids here today that can attest to that, I know this is where I belong, because I love to do it. This is my call. I have no doubt about it. When the tornado sirens go off, I'll grab my dirty stained sweatshirts and run to the basement. Today's a special service because the children have been invited to join us. So I'm gonna just ask that kids, when you get home today, Take some time to think about what it is that you really love to do and what really makes you happy and what you feel called to do every day. And then look at the grown-ups in your life and ask them to talk about the same things that they think about and what they feel called to do. Come, let us worship together. Our reading today is a poem by Mary Oliver called The Summer Day. Who made the world? Who made the swan and the black bear? Who made the grasshopper? This grasshopper, I mean. The one who has flung herself out of the grass. The one who is eating sugar out of my hand. Who is moving her jaws back and forth instead of up and down. Who is gazing around with her enormous and complicated eyes. Now she lifts her pale forearms and thoroughly washes her face. 
Now she snaps her wings open and floats away. I don't know exactly what prayer is. I do know how to pay attention, how to fall down into the grass, how to kneel down in the grass, how to be idle and blessed, how to stroll through the fields, which is what I have been doing all day. Tell me, what else should I have done? Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? Several years ago, I was with a team of academics at a conference at Oberlin College. One of my past careers was working in college-level career development and internship programs. The conference we were attending was on community engagement, how to partner with community organizations to build a relationship of learning, service, and advocacy for systemic change. Teams were sent from several liberal arts colleges, and one night we gathered in the auditorium with a number of folks from the community. I remember one moment when a brave man on the panel raised his hand and said, you know, when I hear the words community engagement, I just can't help but wonder when there's going to be a wedding. <laughs> words are powerful. Words are complex. Words have different meanings in different contexts. So let's look at the word calling. I step away from my life as a ministerial intern and a seminarian, and I ask, when have I been called in my everyday life? I think of my childhood, playing in the backyard until dark and hearing that faint call, time for dinner, a call to return home, a call to, to join family and to be in conversation. Or when I'm up busy in my room hearing, Laura, it's time to go, being called out and into the world. Or, Laura, what do you think? called to comment in a class or a meeting, called to share knowledge or perspective with others, called to be part of the learning process. We are all called in, called to leave, called to act, called to participate throughout our lives. But what about the word calling in a religious context? Calling is a word that's woven into faiths that have central theological texts like the Bible or the Torah. People and individuals are called into God's service and asked to do God's will. In Genesis, Abraham is called to go from his country and his father's house to a distant land. In the book of Exodus, Yahweh, God, calls Moses from a flaming bush and he's told to lead the Israelites out of Egypt to Canaan. More are asked to serve Barach, Samuel, Simon. The common pattern in these stories goes like this. There's a calling. 
There is time of doubt and of questioning. And then there is acceptance. After Moses hears his call, he refutes with, Oh, Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor even now, that you have spoken to your servant. But I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. After further conversation with God, Moses replies with a plea, Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. Like it or not, these individuals heard the call. They heed the call. And they obey their God. The language and discussion of call is quite prevalent in my seminary. I've written a number of essays on my call, even though it's language I have to admit I find challenging. Every time I hear that Mary Oliver poem, I'm shaken from a state of peaceful reflection and wonder at that grasshopper eating out of her hand into a state of panic. When those last words, tell me, what is it that you plan to do with your one wild and precious life are read. What am I going to do with this one precious life? Will it be enough? Will I miss something I'm meant to do? How do I know what I'm supposed to do? Have I, through my composite career of meaningful work in lots of organizations and lots of roles, only scratched the potential of what I could have done with my one precious life? Has my life of being a generalist thrown me off the path of some specific calling? There are many ways that lives are formed and many paths that people follow. Many people can speak honestly of being called. They can name a reality of being called and knowing that they literally had no other choice. That wasn't my experience. My relationship with God was nothing nothing more than a need to send out an occasional petitionary prayer when I hoped to find something I lost or hoped to have God fix something that I really messed up. Looking back where faith or a relationship with a higher power was absent, the arts were central. My parents both value beauty and creative arts. They took us to museums and plays when we were young, and the arts opened new doorways for my creative spirit. They brought me joy and play into my life. They spoke of tragedy, societal pressures, and longings. I would turn to well-known songs for comfort in times of confusion and sadness. Those characters in plays and musicals expressed things in a way that I was unable to express myself. Although my sisters and I knew all the classical musics, I have to admit my favorites were Jacques Brel, Is Alive and Well and Living in Paris, and Pippin. They both included songs that made me laugh, songs that expressed human suffering, and songs that captured my heart. Pippin the son of King Charlemagne, destined for battle and leadership, struggles to find his own place and purpose in the world. He calls it his corner of the sky. 
He sings, rivers belong where they can ramble. Eagles belong where they can fly. I've got to be where my spirit can run free. I've got to find my corner of the sky. For me, that song was my central calling song, and it has often been my central calling burden. Let me explain. Outside of the traditional calling concept found in sacred texts, the word calling is frequently connected to one's own gifts and passions. Most of the time, calling is seen as a singular term. It's as if there was but one, one calling for each of us. Perhaps for some of you, this is true. One of my favorite books when I was young that I read as a teenager was My Name is Asher Lev by Haim Potok. There's so much to this book. Asher Lev, who was born with the gift of being an artist, faces a great challenge. His family is from a religious Jewish sect that not only does not support spending time idly creating art, but they literally see that what art creates is an abomination to God. The one scene I've carried with me all these years describes Asher at age six. He uses the burnt end of a smoked cigarette to add contours to a sketch of his mother. It was a brief section in the book, but I remember being struck at the strength of his need to create. Discarded cigarette ashes became an irresistible invitation. I have an uncle who's an artist, and it feels as if Asher and he had no other choice. Their gifts were that strong and prominent that to deny them seemed impossible. Oh, how I longed for such a gift, for such certainty and clarity, such a sense of purpose in what I was called to do. Oh, how I longed to find my corner of the sky. I have to say that the question of what is my corner or what has my, is my purpose has plagued me for decades. It has been the burden that has burned inside me, a question waiting to be answered. But to tell you the truth, as I grow older, the thought of finding the corner of the sky is fading. As a self-described generalist with more soft skills than strong ones, hard ones, I mean, I don't have a strong central gift calling me toward a destination. I feel pulled in many directions, some that have stayed constant and some that have newly emerged as my life moves in unexpected directions. I believe that part of my calmness about calling also comes from keeping a daily spiritual practice. I begin most mornings by my window lighting a candle and singing that hymn, Voice Still and Small. That song has become a part of me, entering me like a breath, leaving me with a sense of comfort and calmness and hope. Like breath, that small voice is consistent through times of joy and times of grief and times of doubt. I hear you call singing, 
in storm and rain, in sorrow and pain, still will remain singing. For me, that voice is my heart. It's my intuition. It is my desires. For some reason, that slow, quiet hymn gives me courage. Courage to hold that divine, unique light that is inside me, that is inside each of you. I find I need to listen because each chapter of my life invites me into new callings. So our broad and inclusive faith claims this word call in a number of ways. The first is the most traditional, reflecting that call from those sacred texts. If you go to the Unitarian Universalist website and look at the process of becoming a minister, there's two videos that are on the front page. The first one, do you feel called to the ministry? And the second, what is the core of your calling? Congregations call ministers to serve. We call ministers into our house of worship. We invite them to join us at the table of church community. We are known to use the word calling on a denominational level as well. The column of the Unitarian Universalist president in the UU World magazine was previously called Our Calling. In those columns, Reverend William Sinkford would remind us that as religious liberals, we are called to speak and act out of our principles and purposes. When we raise our voices and act from this ground, we can be extraordinarily effective in strengthening the liberal religious voice for justice. Our denomination calls us out calls us to stand on the side of love and to be humble partners and bold change agents. Here at First Universalist, we too are being called to participate beyond the walls of this church. Those of you who come regularly know the words well. We listen with our whole being to where love is calling us next. Central in our faith with all of our theological differences, is the focus on this life, on this world. Our faith is about the journey, not the destination. And this journey matters. I love how the Reverend Kendall Gibbons, a humanist voice in the UU ministry, says, humanism calls upon those who embrace it to live as fully as we can in the authentic wonder and curiosity of which the human spirit is capable. It summons us to a persistence, obedience to evidence and reason, to recognize in our deepest and most beautiful longings, not the world that is, but the world that might be. If we, by our courage, intelligence, and dedication, will make it so. Humanism offers the assurance that this life matters, that we create our meaning here and now in this very world. I love how she mingles our human longings, what she calls our deepest and most beautiful longings, with a longing for the world that might be. 
a call to participate in making that be so. The boys' choir today sang the words that we so often hear in the United States, decide what you want to be and go be it. Move beyond your head full of doubt and start walking the road full of promise. Sometimes I hear those words and they get twisted up with familiar societal pressure to choose prosperity and prestige, even at the expense of using your own gifts. I know that we and our children are asked at a very young age to determine what we are going to be. Will you grab the swimsuit or the red business suit in the pumps? If we frame the concept as listening to find what calls you versus listening to find a job title, you can begin to listen to the call to be your best self in the world and take that decision to its most challenging edges. I have a quote from the Buddha that hangs near my desk. It says, your work is to discover your work, and then with all your heart, give yourself to it. Those challenging D words, decide, discover, or if you're in seminary, discern. (laughs) All these require reflection, stepping away, leaning in, listening to your body, listening to that still, small voice, or perhaps the voice of God calling you. Sometimes they require that we push away self-doubt, fear, pragmatism, and follow a path even if it is with some resistance and pushback. Now sometimes a good question can help one discover or discern. Questions can lead us to that bigger question about what impact we might want with our own precious lives. I heard my colleague Rabbi Melissa Simon from Shir Tikva, the synagogue that was located in our that is located in our last church building, speak at a Freedom to Marry rally recently. She said, "As a little girl growing up, I was inspired by the questions of the great Rabbi Hillel, who asked, "If I am not for myself, who will be for me?" If I'm only for myself, what am I for? If not now, when? She commented on how this teaching pushed her to speak out for justice for herself and for many other communities and to speak now. What questions will you ask yourself to discern where you are called? How will you know if you are being called in? Called into a place like First Universalist or called into an honest conversation that actually may change you? How will you know if it's time to step out, out into something new that may require courage and humility? How will you know if you must step up Step up so that the lives of those we will never know will have a beautiful, safe, loving, and just world. At this 
stage in my life, I no longer believe I'm here for one great purpose. If I had to choose between my call to be a daughter, a sister, a partner, a mother, an activist, a faith leader, a student, a friend, an educator, or an agitator, I would be forced to live a fragment of my life and a fragment of my calling. I imagine it would be the same for you. So I step away from this burden of a single calling and I listen to where love is calling and I listen with my heart and I give myself to it. For each precious moment, each precious person, and this precious resource we call the planet Earth deserves our gifts, our attention, and our love. May it be so.